know that uh, the sermon this morning is only for a select few of you. How many of you have ever taken a picture or a photograph? How many of you have ever been in a picture or a photograph? How many of you have ever looked at a picture? Okay, then this sermon is for you. Does anybody here this morning know what photobombing is? All right. Photobombing looks something like this. It's when someone or something unexpected jumps in your picture. Something that you weren't expecting to happen. Sometimes it's people who get in the picture. But occasionally, it can be an animal. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes it can be funny. But sometimes it can be a little scary. Right? What happens is that something we were unaware of got in the picture. Did you know that God has photobombed every moment of your life? Our youth group at my church were doing a skit trying to let the kids know that God was in every aspect of their life. This is what they were doing to try and convey to the rest of the kids. That because they had given their life to Christ, that Jesus was with them. Remember God's promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. Sometimes, though, we don't necessarily want God in the picture. There are other times when we're screaming, where are you, God? Much like you remember Job. God, get down here so we can have a conversation. But David knew without a doubt that every moment of his life had been photobombed by God. David knew that whether he was a shepherd, whether he was a warrior, whether he was a fugitive running from King Saul, whether he was worshiping, or whether he was trying to avoid God, he knew that God was in every picture of his life. David knew that no matter what happened, good or bad, that he could not get God out of his life. David often wrote songs about his relationship with his God. He wrote about how he was feeling and about the God that he loved. The book of Psalms contains a lot of David's songs. Sometimes he was happy and he praised God. Sometimes he was in trouble and he begged God for help. Sometimes he had messed up. And he asked God to forgive him. 
One of the songs that David wrote is recorded for us in Psalm 139, a psalm that I'm sure is familiar to a great many of you. In that psalm, there are 24 verses. And in those 24 verses, 20 times, David writes about God. Only four times does he write about himself. You start to see that God was the most important thing, the most important person in David's life. This morning I'd like to just take a few moments with you and take a quick look at four things that are in David's song. The first is that David is known by God. And David would remind each one of us that you and I are completely known by God. In Psalm 139, verse 2, David says, You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. David knew that with certainty. Sometimes I think you and I have a propensity to forget that. But David was known by God. You know, we all want to be known, don't we? We want to be recognized. Are there any football fans here this morning? You're a football fan back there? What's your favorite team? I can't hear you. Okay, she's quiet. Any other football fans up here? What's your favorite team? Giants. My condolences. <laughs> it's been tough to watch, hasn't it? <laughs> who's, who's your quarterback? Okay. We know the quarterback's name. Now let me ask you another question. Do you know the names of any of the offensive linemen? Oh, where would the quarterback be without his offensive line? He'd be in a lot of trouble, wouldn't he? <laughs> I'm sure some days it seems like they don't have an offensive line, I know. We know the quarterbacks, but sometimes we don't know some of the other people, and yet they're critical to the success of the team. You may not know the names of everybody that are here. Better learn them, you're going to see them in heaven. God says there is nobody unimportant to him. God said he knows your names. He said those who know him, he has your names engraved on the palms of his hand. We can forget names. I'm getting to that age where I have to think twice. So if I have forgotten your name, please forgive me. I'll ask for that now. But God doesn't have to look in his phone to see your name. He knows you entirely. That's what David was thrilled with and wrote about. Isaiah was the one that said, See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. How much God loves us. So much that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. That you and I would be able to spend eternity with him.
it's sometimes very comforting to know that somebody's near. Remember teaching my one of my granddaughters to ride her bike. I was holding the back of the bike as we were going down the road, and she said, Grandpa, please don't let go. She wanted to know that I was there. This is where David was. It was comforting to him to know that whatever situation he was facing, God was with him. But there are some times when knowing that God is in our kitchen, that God is always with us, can be a little intimidating, can be a little scary. Sometimes we're afraid of God because we don't understand Him. That was a situation with this young girl. If you get a chance on YouTube and see the video, it's hysterical. Uh, this girl was walking along, having a great day, suddenly saw her shadow, was terrified and began running all over the parking lot. She thought she had outrun it, and finally she turned around, saw it there, and she falls over. Well, they've given it a fancy name called Siaphobia, fear of shadows. The shadow, you and I know, wasn't out there to hurt her, but she was terrified. How many people today think God is out to get them? We think of God as this big, nasty ogre who was just waiting for us to screw up so he can go home, gotcha! And yet the problem is they don't know God. God is the one who said, I've come to give you life. John 10, life to the full. I'm the one who loved you so much that I sent my son to die for you. I love you so much that I want to spend the rest of eternity with you. And yet people are terrified of him. We try to get him out of our schools, out of our country for that matter, because people don't understand him. This girl needed to know that her shadow wasn't out to get her. Outside these doors, there's a world that needs to know that God isn't out to get them. That God has a love and a promise and a purpose for them. Do you remember the account when Jesus cast out the demons? And the demons said, would you send us into the herd of pigs? And Jesus acquiesces and he sends the demons into the pigs and they go crazy and they run off the cliff and they're drowned. Do you remember what the people of that town said to Jesus? Jesus, it's been real nice having you, but you know what? We'd like you to leave. They were asking the Son of God, the giver of life, to leave their town. Why? Because they were afraid. Because they didn't understand who he was. And we live in a world that so often is afraid. And instead of embracing the God who loves them, they run from him. Second thing I'd like you to look at is, even though God knew David, including all the bad things that he had done, God still loved him. God still loves you and me. 
in spite of the fact that we've messed up, unless you're not like me. God loves us in spite of ourselves. David writes further along in Psalm 130, 139, If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. We sang this morning about our relationship with Almighty God. But here's the problem. Unfortunately, the words of that old hymn are all too true. Some of you know that hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Listen to those words. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Sadly, how often are those words true in our lives? Oftentimes, we don't intentionally turn our back on God. But as we continue with our busy lives, things get in the way, and suddenly we find ourselves at a distance from the God that we love. What happens when we mess up? We try to hide. Did you ever walk in and find your young child, you know, with their hand in the cookie jar? Uh, usually try and come up with some excuse. Oh, I was getting a cookie for you. Right? Um, you remember back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Tree they were forbidden to eat from. When God comes walking in the cool of the day, what happened? They hid. Somehow in our minds, we think we can hide from God. Do you ever play hide-and-seek with a young child? It can be hysterical. You know, they put their head under the pillow, they can't see you, they figure you can't see them. Trying to hide from God is like this. Doesn't work very well. Remember, David messed up royally when he slept with Bathsheba. David tried to cover up his sin. He had her husband killed in battle. Tried to hide what he had done. He was as successful as this young boy. You remember God sends the prophet Nathan. Nathan tells him a story and then says, You are the man, David. You and I can't hide from God. Unless you are different than anyone else I've ever met, there are none of you that are perfect. Scripture puts it plainly, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. you got two choices. You can try and hide. Good luck. What does God say? Be sure your sin will find you out. But God's not out to get you. He offers you forgiveness, hope, and a new relationship. What does he say? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. David confesses his sin, and we read in Psalm 51, 
that he comes back to the Lord and he says to him, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. I pray this morning that if you're trying to hide from God, that you'd give it up. That rather you would embrace him, confess what's holding you back. Confess to him the sin that he already knows. And allow him to restore to you the joy of his salvation. David put it this way, where can I flee from your presence? Prophet Jonah found that out. He tried going the other way when God called him to go to the city of Nineveh. Didn't work out too well. Found out that he couldn't hide. Even though he gets swallowed by a big fish, and God spits him out and eventually he goes to Nineveh. Don't try and hide. Embrace God. Submit to him. And seek his will. David knew from first-hand experience the truth of these verses. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. We need to remember that. Just like a thief caught in a spotlight. That's what happened to David. How much better for you and I to acknowledge who we are and who he is. What does he tell us? That if we confess our sins, we are able to come boldly before the throne of grace. This was where David longed to be. The third thing I want you to see this morning is that God had a purpose for David's life. Even if David didn't always see it. He writes in Psalm 139 verse 16, he said, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We don't always see God's purpose. When David was out there keeping sheep, I don't think he was saying, you know, this is going to be good practice for when I become king. When he had to face the bear and the lion and protect his sheep, I don't think he said, oh, these are good experiences that will help me when I'm king. But he knew that God had a plan for his life. You and I, you and I may not see what God has planned for us. We may wonder what he's doing. Remember Moses, he tries to, he's 40 years old, he's been adopted by Pharaoh. He's tried to free Israel and he winds up killing an Egyptian and has to run to Midian. And there for 40 years he plays with sheep. And then he's 80 years old and he meets God at the burning bush. And God says, okay Moses, I've prepared you, let's go free my people. What's Moses' response? You know what, Lord? Send somebody else. But God had prepared him for that, for that moment. You and I are not here by accident this morning. 
God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. Will you and I submit to his leadership? Will you recognize that he's in every aspect of your life? Will you serve him? God had a plan for David's life. He has a plan for your life and mine. In fact, God is a master of reclamation. He loves to take things that are broken, perhaps unsightly, turn them into things of beauty. God also, I think, has a sense of humor. You remember Saul who becomes Paul? God takes Christianity's public enemy number one, uses him to write the majority of the New Testament. Who knows what God can do with your life? Sometimes we're like some of the other Bible characters who say, who am I? And yet God has uniquely created you for the purpose that he has for your life. God loves to take the weak things, the small things, the insignificant, and use it for his purpose. He loves to take what seems like nothing, stuff you can find on a beach, turn it into something beautiful. Will we let God use us? David knew that God had a specific purpose for his life. Sometimes he was unsure how God was going to work it out. God had told him he was going to be king, and meanwhile Saul's trying to make him a pincushion, chasing him all over the deserts of Israel. Matter of fact, he prays in the Psalms, God, the desert's getting awfully small, and Saul's getting pretty close. Where are you? But God had a purpose for David. God used him. Will you and I allow God to use us for his purpose? There are times in our lives when we can't see God's purpose at all. Remember the great prophet Elijah? That great mountaintop experience? Right? He's having a contest with the prophets of Baal, and he winds up calling down fire from heaven, burns up the sacrifice, burns up the altar, burns up the water in the trench. Great moment. What happens next? Queen Jezebel puts out a hit on him. He runs for his life, and he hides in a cave. God says to him in the cave, what are you doing here? He said, you know what, Lord, I tried my best, but take my life. Sometimes we don't see God's purpose. It's where faith comes in. What do we learn in the New Testament? He says we, we're to walk by faith, not by sight. God has a purpose for you. He's called you to be his child. He says that He will be sufficient. his grace will be sufficient for you. Will we trust him?
Paul put it this way. He said, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, the old is gone. God has a new purpose for you and for your life. God has given you a new lease on life. You are known by God. You are significant to God. And he's created you for a purpose. Peter put it this way. In 1 Peter 2.9 he said, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a nation God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God has called you for a purpose. I don't think that either Pastor Darian or Pastor Dave has told you, hey, you know this Jesus stuff? Keep it a secret. I don't think they've ever told you not to utter the name of Jesus outside these walls. Instead, they've told you God's great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel by our actions and by our words. God has not called every one of you to go overseas. But there are lost, hurting people who are in darkness right in your backyards. Who's going to let them know where hope is found? Who's going to let them know where life is found? Who's going to let them know that they're God's children? That there's a Savior who died for them? You and I have to remember our purpose. We're God's special possession, but then there's a that that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. How are we doing with that? Finally, there's one last thing I want to share with you this morning. God invited David to have a relationship with him. In fact, David said that that was the most important thing in his life. He put it this way. He said, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the sand, the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. How David treasured his relationship with the Lord. Do we share that same treasuring of our relationship with the Lord? Are God's ways and thoughts precious to us? Abraham is called the friend of God. 
David is called a man after God's own heart. What did the Apostle Paul say? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. God knows us completely. The question for you and me is, do we know him? Sometimes we can tend to ignore God and put the focus on ourselves. There's a group of ladies who were in Africa. They're looking to get some pictures of wildlife. They have great cameras, telephoto lenses. There's only one problem. They don't have the big picture. And that's where many people are today. Talk about the elephant in the room. How many people today are looking for hope, for love, for purpose, for a reason to exist, and yet they fail to turn around? What has God said? I'm easy to find. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. David wasn't a country western singer. But I think the words of this song David would have approved of. The song says, I've spent a lifetime looking for you. Playing a fool's game, hoping to win. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. Looking for traces of what I'm dreaming of. Hoping to find a friend and a lover. When I was alone then, no love in sight. And I did everything I could to get me through the night. You came a-knocking at my heart's door. You're everything I've been looking for. We live in a world so desperately looking for something. And yet they're looking in the wrong places. You and I know God's promise. What does Jesus say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens that door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. God is knocking the doors of our hearts. Will we open them? Will we have a relationship with him? Or are we like those women, desperately looking for things and missing the big picture? If it weren't so serious, I'm sure God would almost laugh. How people try to hide from him. How people try to pretend he doesn't exist. But God is in every picture of your life. There is no aspect of your life that God doesn't know and God doesn't see. David treasured his relationship with the Lord. Jeremiah is the one who said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I pray this morning that each of us 
will see the big picture. And that it will always include God. That we will make Him the center of our lives. That we will embrace Him and learn to love Him the way He first loved us through Jesus Christ. You can't hide from Him. He's photobombed every picture of your life. Knowing that, let us embrace Paul's words. Paul writes, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I pray that we will collectively be able to do that. You are known by God. The question for us is, do we know Him? I pray that you will not leave this building without knowing Him. That you will put your hand in the hand of His Son. The one who knows you, and in spite of that, was willing to die for you. The one who says that I've come to give you life. Life to the full. If you have any doubts or you're still searching, please see me or Darian or Dave or any of your church leaders before you leave this building. There's no greater place to be than in the arms of Almighty God. We can get concerned about a great many things. If you live on Long Island, you have a crazy schedule. There's so many things that we have to attend to. But I'd ask you to remember the prophet Jonah. God called Jonah to a task. Jonah wanted no part of it. God said, Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh. Preach the gospel to them. Jonah said, no thanks, Lord. Sometimes I think Jonah gets a bad rap. Imagine for a moment that you were Jewish and that this was the 1940s. We're in the middle of World War II. And God says, okay, guys, I want you to go to Germany and preach the gospel. We, we might be responding the same way Moses did. You know what, Lord? Send somebody else. That's what it was like for Jonah. And you know the story of how he gets swallowed by the fish and so forth. But do you remember how the book of Jonah ends? Jonah did what God wanted, preached the worst sermon in the world, 40 days and you're toast. City comes to repent and know the Lord. But Jonah's sitting up on the hill at the end of the book saying, you know what, God, maybe you'll change your mind and burn him up anyway. And how does the book end? God says to Jonah, Jonah, should I not have compassion on this great city? Here's the question for you and me. Do we have the heart of God? Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Do we have a heart for the city of central Islip? Do we have a heart the people on Long Island? Who is going to tell them 
where to find hope. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You didn't wake up one morning and go, oh, I'm going to be saved today. Somebody told you about the Lord. Who's going to tell Central Iceland? Some people you know will never step foot inside a church. You may be the only Christian that they ever meet in your life. You're going to pat them on the back as they continue on their way to hell. Or are you going to share with them the love of Christ that you've found? I pray that we will all have the heart of God. There are a great many ways to serve in this church. If you're not sure what you can do, I am positive that Darian and Dave be more than happy to sit with you and put you to work. This morning, I'd like to just take a couple more moments and share with you one other way that God might be able to use you to serve Him. As Darian mentioned, I work with Long Island Youth Mentoring. We've been around since 1981, and since that time, we have matched thousands of hurting and at-risk children with a Christian mentor. We have three major ministries. One is called our one-to-one ministry. We work with 8- to 12-year-olds who often have a single mom, no friends, no social network, and both she and the child have requested a mentor. We find Christian men and women to spend an average of two hours a week with the child, doing the things that you enjoy doing, and as God gives you the opportunity, sharing with them the love and the hope that you found in Christ. One of our other ministries is called the Bridges Ministry. I work with over 30 group homes across Long Island, from Queens Village out to Riverhead, Wading River. There, the kids are teenagers. Now, I know many of you who are parents think that teens should be locked away in a closet, let out when they're 21. But when you're not telling them to do your homework, eat your vegetables, go to bed, it's fascinating to see life through a teen's eyes. I can't tell you how much I've learned from them over the years. And again, we find Christian men and women to spend two hours a week with them, going out and doing what you enjoy doing, and again, taking advantage of those opportunities to share with them the hope of Christ. Our other ministry, we have a homework club. We've we've had one here. We also have one in Central Islip. I'm sorry, in um, Brentwood, where our office is. There we work with young children, helping them with their homework, with their reading, and we're able to use Christian reading material in helping them and, again, convey to them the love of Christ. Many of the children that we work with have been told directly or indirectly that they're losers, that they will never amount to anything. I mentioned to you once before, there was one girl, I said, what would you like to do when you get older? She said, well, I used to want to be a nurse, but my friends, they set me straight. They said, you too stupid to be a nurse. We were able to match her with a woman who works with the Stony Brook Medical Group. She originally got the girl enrolled in Nassau Community College. She took some medical courses, and originally she became a phlebotomist. She drew blood. 
She said to me, Mr. George, I can even spell it. So I said, well, you're far better than me. She's now gone on and become a licensed practical nurse. What a blessing to see these two together. But rather than me tell you about the challenges that these kids face, I'd like you to listen to Dan. Dan was mentored when he was 15. Let him tell you about his journey. It, growing up, I was in a dark place. It was tough. And no one should go through that. My first memory as a kid was happy. I remember my mom getting me uh, all dressed up, putting suspenders on me. I was about f four, almost five years old. And then from then, it just started becoming sour. My mother was a sweet woman. Um, she was a uh, compassionate woman, um, but she was lost. She uh, was nasty when she was drunk. She was violent when she was drunk. She'd hit us. She'd smash furniture. Um, she'd, uh, f you know, uh, get drunk and ride a bicycle, fall off, and have strangers bring her home. All of that led to her destruction and her dying. So that's my mom. Uh, my dad. I remember one day I had a friend over. Uh, we were outside, we were playing. I was about five years old at this time. Um, and now 20 minutes later, five police cars pull up in front of my house. In the middle of the car, my father's in the, in, in the back seat. At five, you're taught people in the back of a police car are bad news. This is my dad. He was uh, in prison for uh, the better part of my, uh, my youth. On the day of my fifth birthday, we had to move. We moved into my grandparents' house, and just things went in a downward spiral from there. Uh, my grandfather, he was also an alcoholic. He, um, he was never without an unkind word. He, uh, he was just a nasty human being. He never, ever, I don't think the man ever praised anybody. So to him, we weren't worth uh, the air we breathed. Um, you know, it affected us, my, me and my two brothers, uh, in different ways, but it definitely affected us. I mean, we, we definitely have scars. It's not easy growing up with uh, uh, the barrage of insults. It's not easy, you know, the people who are supposed to love and protect you telling you, sorry, buddy, fend for yourself. There's just gotta be something else has to be. It can't always be like this. I see other people and they're happy. I don't, I don't understand it. I forget what day. I was 15 and I was matched to uh, Ed Fallon. Here's this guy. It's not fracturous. His wife loves him. They they like each other. They actually caught to each other. Um, you know, the kids are happy. You know, the house is clean. I was able to see through Ed, a shining example of what Christ is like, and without him constantly chipping away and constantly trying to get in there, break down the barriers, and, and not just him, just God through him, just really trying to say, Dan, you're worth it.
you're worth fighting for. You have what it takes. It was important. But without it, forget it. I wouldn't be here. Would not be here. I'd have no soul. He might not say it, but he's definitely a lifesaver. His coming forward, him saying, I will. I have kids now, and I can have him as an example, and uh, just his joy, his zest for life, and I, I'm able to incorporate that into my walk uh, now, and how I, he raises his family, I'm able to see that, and you know, I can incorporate some of what he has shown me through his example uh, to uh, my family. I'm able to conversate with my wife. I'm able to tell her I love her. Uh, we've been blessed with three beautiful children. Um, yeah, both my daughters are uh, my precious princesses. And then, you know, uh, now I'm able to uh, uh, be a masculine presence for my son and be a godly presence for my son, but also show him that it's okay to have emotion. Um, uh, through Christ, I'm saved, I'm redeemed whole new creation and I'm not that kid. Can two hours a week really make a difference in a child's life? Dan thinks so. You don't have to go overseas to find hurting and at-risk children. They're right in our backyards. Within 10 miles of this church, there are six group homes. Within eight miles of this church, there are nine children between the ages of 8 to 12 who are looking for a mentor. Who's going to let them know about the God who created them in his image? You don't have to have any special skills or any special training. I mentioned before that there's a girl in one of the group homes. This girl loves to sing. All day long, she goes around singing at the top of her lungs. Unfortunately for everybody else, she sings in a key that your musicians have yet to discover. Everybody tells her, would you please shut up or go outside? But we were able to match her with a woman who sings in that same key. Together, the two of them go out to Comset Park, and there they sing at the top of their lungs. And except for a few small animals getting scared, nobody gets hurt. We're not asking you to be a psychiatrist or a social worker. We're simply asking you to be a friend. If you're at least 21, can drive a car and can hold a conversation, God can use you to bring his hope to one of these kids. Guys, you're the most nervous about mentoring. Ladies, you're much more relational than us guys. If Darian calls me up, first thing I say is, what do you want? We're problem solvers. I have a guy, Harvey, he's an ex-Navy SEAL. This guy is chiseled. But he had a look of pure terror on his face. He said, George, what am I going to talk to a teenager about? I said, Harvey, you can shoot hoops and grunt occasionally. Simply let them know that you care about them. 
Also, some of you uh, may feel that this is for the younger people. The girls in the group homes would always like their mentor to be 25, rich, and beautiful. Very few of my mentors fit that category. I matched one girl with a 76-year-old grandmother. The girl said to me, Mr. George, how come I got the old one? <laughs> Grandma was cool with the girl. She let the girl teach her how to play video games. I said, how's Grandma doing with the video games? She said, oh, she's horrible. But we have a great time together. All her life, this girl has been lectured. People have said, you know what you need to do? For the first time in her life, the girl is teaching somebody else. What a joy to see these two together. I pray that God would put it on your heart to consider spending two hours a week. I know that this is Long Island. There are very few of you sitting here this morning going, you know, George, I got six to eight hours a week. I don't know what to do with. Could you help me out? If you live on Long Island, you have a crazy schedule. But I pray that God would put it on your heart to spend two hours with one of these kids. One of the guys I have is an international salesman. This guy is hardly ever in the United States. But he finds two hours a week to work with a 14-year-old boy. Twice a month, they go food shopping together. Here's a 14-year-old boy. He says to me, Mr. G, did you know about monosodium glutamate? He says that if we go in the evening and the store's not crowded, I'm allowed to throw the bread into the basket. This boy's not really excited about food shopping. He's excited because for the first time in his life, a man has paid some attention to him. A man has told him that he can be somebody, that God loves him, that God has a purpose for him. Who's going to let these children know that God loves them? If you have any interest in any of our ministries or would just like to find out more about them, you should have gotten something that looks like this. The last page is a tear-off. You can do this without a commitment, but I'd ask you just to give us a name and a phone number. We'd be glad to contact you and let you know how God might be able to use you to bring his love to one of these kids. I'm so thankful to your pastors, to your leaders, and to all of you for the way in which you guys have been salt and light to a hurting world. I pray that you'll continue to work for the furtherance of his kingdom, that God will give you his heart for the lost, and that he'll give you the strength and the wisdom, the discernment and the insight and the courage to go out in his faith and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your love. That while we were your enemies, Christ died for us. Lord, we recognize that we can only love others because you first loved us. Lord, I pray that you would break us of ourselves, that we would submit to you, that we would enjoy the relationship that you so freely offer through your Son. And Lord, that you would enable us to then go forth as witnesses of the new life that we have in Christ. Lord, we pray for these children who are in group homes, for those at risk. Lord, that you would raise men and women to come alongside them and to share with them the good news and the hope that is found in your Son. Lord, may we be a blessing to your children. And Lord, may we 
truly be of one mind, one purpose, one spirit, and as one body, lift each other up. Lord, may your blessing be on the pastors, the musicians, your leaders, and everyone here, as together we work for the furtherance of your kingdom. For we ask this now in your Son's most precious and holy name. Amen. 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 Can you show appreciation for the blessing that Pastor Bunt has been for us today? Amen. Amen. And I pray that the Lord puts it on your heart. If you did not receive a pamphlet, the ushers are going to have them in the back. Uh, just hand them out. And uh, but we want to be a blessing to you, Pastor Bunt, as well. So we, we would like to take an offering for him. Amen. Amen. We want to bless his ministry and, and thank him for uh, what he's done for us. So we're going to take uh, an offering. And then after that, if the prayer workers would come up, we want to have an altar call. Those of you who need prayer, we want to come up and pray with you. Amen. Amen. worship. Amen. Why don't we stand together? Let's worship this morning. Receive my word. 